Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. The digital revolution is in full swing. We are trying to dig into it, understand it, and understand especially the incredible opportunities, the optimism, the possibilities, the potential for both individuals and their companies to do things never before possible. We're delighted to have today our longest running and one of our most popular digital all-stars, Wayne Saden. Wayne has been a CTO, a CIO, and a CDO, and he currently advises boards of directors and CEOs on how to weave digital strategy into their overall business strategy to succeed and thrive in the acceleration economy. Wayne, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, Bob, it's always a pleasure to be here. As you say, we've been doing this now over three years, and we always have fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. And Wayne, along those three years, it's been great. Your, uh, our, our, our interconnection has expanded to the point now where you are you know, one of the leading analysts within the Acceleration Economy Analyst Network. And your experience at working with boards of directors, CEOs, and having been a CXO yourself for most of your career gives you an interesting perspective on what those uh, individuals and every type of company, every type of industry are facing today in these sort of tumultuous times. So pretty exciting about uh, some of the new work you're going to be doing here, right? Absolutely. The acceleration economy that we're now both part of is running a number of channels. The idea to get the content, I guess, focused on different audience groups. And I've been asked to lead the future CXO and board channel. And I'm doing some short videos now, like following your lead, uh, and my, my tagline is two minutes of tech talk for top executives. Mm -hmm. So I hope people have, are following the videos that are starting to be posted. And obviously I've been writing articles for six, seven months for the group and tied in with these cloud wars, Satan on digital strategy. We're trying to build a cohesive strategy to get everybody up to speed and, and really to get people ready for the event we're doing in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wayne, we'll get to that in a second here. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, two minutes of tech talk from you. I, I just want to be sure to help, you know, further clarify that for everybody. Two minutes of tech talk from a lot of people, you know, the eyes glaze, the, the head, the temples start to pound. You wish you were anywhere but there. But your version of that is coming at it from the executive's point of view, which is, you know, to be the most successful CXO you can be, you need to have a basic set of fundamentals. And you put the technology in the context of the CXO's roles and responsibilities rather than the other way, which is, okay, let's dive, you know, into the seventh level of networking because, you know, everybody uses networks. So the CFO has to be able to understand that. So Wayne, I think it's, it's already starting off, you know, a very refreshing, different, high value, um, set of content that you're going to be putting out. It, it, it's going to be a great success, I think. Well, you know, for the CXO, the, the C-suite executive and the board director, you've got to use technology. you got to understand it. I mean, we're, we're in the world of Zoom and Teams and the metaverse that's coming. And so every day we're now using it, especially in today's hybrid work environment. We're all having to learn things we didn't have to know a few years ago. And as technology transforms society, and we've got to be keeping up with our, how, how do I say this, our grandkids, mm -hmm. so they don't zoom past us with their devices. If you're an executive, you're either leading the internal work, what are we going to do about technology, or you're leading, what are we building with technology, what are our products like? And so you're right, when I talk about technology, it is never with jargon, unless it's to explain some popular jargon. 
you know, like what's the metaverse or what are we talking about? We talk about zero trust networks that you might hear about is becoming a big thing now with the conflict in the Ukraine. How do we protect our networks? And so I spend two minutes talking about a topic. Usually it's risk or opportunity or how something that you read in the news really works if you try to apply it. Because there'll be no jargon unless we're explaining it, unless somebody has a question. You know, if we have a question asked to the to the my channel, we'll respond, but we'll respond in a way that's appropriate for the top executive to feel like they understand what their IT people are doing, or more importantly, maybe what their IT people should be doing and aren't. Right, right. So Wayne, one other thing I want to put in just to you know help folks understand the perspective from which you're coming. But you know, there's that old line that uh, each of us as an individual is three different people. You know, there's the person that uh, others think we are, there's the person that we think we are, and then there's the person we actually are. And uh, I love sometimes when you talk about yourself, you say, I'm an engineer by training, a CIO by profession, but I'm a salesperson at heart. Uh, that's a pretty good combination. So uh, again, I think it brings the context of what you're doing and talking about every day to people who want to be successful in this uh, acceleration economy where the opportunity to move faster than ever before, engage with customers in new sorts of ways, all those approaches, you know, as some executives might say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's old stuff. Everybody knows how to do it, but it's all being done now in a different way, driven by what customers want instead of by saying, this is what my company does you know, come enjoy it. It's, it's really been flipped upside down and inside out. And as much as anything, this move toward uh, deeper technology, understanding it's cultural in some ways, right? And that the uh, CXOs have to not necessarily be the top technology person, but they've got to understand the power of what that can do and help build that into the culture of the organization if that organization intends to succeed in the digital future. I couldn't agree more. I mean, think about how CXOs, C-suites evolved. You have the CFO, the person that's the keeper of the numbers. That's a pretty simple example, like the, tech, the CIO is keeper of the tech. They are the strategist for finance, for using capital, for using money more effectively. And then you have the CMO. They're the person whose responsibility is to get the message out and help craft the product to meet the needs of the consumers, whether today's or tomorrow's. And they're seen as business people. They've always been seen as part of the business. And then IT, until very recently, we worked literally in the basement because the machines were big mainframes with water cooling. They were literally in the basement. And so it's been a long slog to get the IT profession out of the basement and into the boardroom. And we're still fighting that fight. Uh, I hate to say uh, the good news for, the, for us is that the cybersecurity environment is making this top of mind for many executives. Digital transformation is making it top of mind for other executives. But we've got to be seen as and participate as real members of the C-suite. Now, that means there's an obligation on the CIO or CTO or CDO's part to act as a member of that C-suite. If you walk in spouting geeky stuff, you are not going to be contributing to the company as a whole. You'll be the traditional order taker. And we don't want to be that. Um, and I think the companies that have IT as order takers might think, oh, that's what we need right now. But you know what? You're going to get zoomed past. The acceleration economy is accelerating whether you are or not. 
And that's the message I want to give to the CEO, to the CFO, to the CMO, to the board executive. You got to understand what this stuff can do for you or do to you, not understand how it works. Um, we don't understand how our cars, most of us don't understand how our cars work or how the nuclear reactor works that provides the power, but we still know how to use the power or the mobility. Let's treat technology the same way. It's a capability that we have to understand. A capability for good, a capability for ill. And as an executive, we have to be able to manage the risk and the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, that's great. And, you know, uh, to come back to the point you mentioned a few minutes ago, it's about 14 weeks to Cloud Wars Expo. And we're talking about the road to Cloud Wars Expo, uh, which will be June 28, 29, 30 at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. And what you said, Wayne, a moment ago about, you know, the economy is going to become the acceleration economy and it's going to accelerate with or without you, right? It's a choice. This is not uh, random. It's not, you know, faded by something outside of our control. We do have an opportunity. We're going to do something about it and jump in and be a part of it. Or if we choose not to do that, then we'll face the consequences for that. But Cloud Wars Expo, I think one of the big things we want to do there is animate that choice in some ways or that that opportunity that exists. And that's why I said that while there will certainly be some discussions of technology and the, the incredible capabilities it can deliver, the outcomes that we want to have people walk away with are things about that sense of possibility of growth of potential, innovation, and opportunity. It, it's abounding unlike ever before, but it doesn't happen without foresight, without effort, without planning, without knowing how to do it getting together and being willing to sort of jump into that deep end of the pool and go with it because the alternative is uh, is very unattractive. Yeah, the alternative is the stagnant water at the other end of the pool. Yeah. You know what lives in stagnant water. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing about this Cloud Wars Expo is I've been a, a guest at many expos. And when you read Cloud Wars, you think uh, this is a geeky techie event. We're going to send my CIO and we're going to send their director of IT and this, and this. And here's my plea to the audience. If you're watching this and you care about the stuff we talk about and you're not the CIO, you're the CMO or the CFO or the CEO or board member, this is your chance to get educated. I'll make the commitment because I'm going to be running a channel there. We were not going to be talking about tech for the sake of tech. My part of the uh, the meeting will be to take the business executives and help them understand what this can do for them and translate any geek speak they hear. And so we want to provide kind of a safe space for the non-techie. Um, and I'll tell you, I used to work for Oracle and I was a customer of Oracle for many years. I love the fact that when you went to Oracle Open World, they encouraged you to bring a non-technical executive and they had a, a track for the non-tech executive where they would spend time kind of getting them uh, immersed in the world of tech and what it can do for them and giving business people a chance to talk to other business people about the technology issues or opportunities they were facing. And, and really, when we talked about putting this conference together, that was my model, is how do we take the non-tech executive who wants to be educated and wants to understand capabilities and give them a place to learn surrounded by all the techies that can help elucidate a point, 
or bring up a, something you know in detail where they need to know something in detail. So you'll be able to cover everything from the board level discussion of risk and opportunity down to the operational level that management deals with at the C-suite level, and then down into the, the weeds of how does this vendor do that product. And so it's a pretty unique conference in my view in that we're gonna cover the, the reasons for cloud and the uses for cloud and the opportunities and not just, let me show you this cool widget I built in this technology and it saves me, you know, 14 seconds a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wayne, you know, if we sort of roll that up in some ways to, we talk about the road to Cloud Wars Expo and, you know, in a way talking about these 14 uh, weeks until then and, uh, you know, the journey to San Francisco, but, the other thing is we look at ROAD, you know, there's sort of an acronym there. <clears throat> and if you look at those four letters, R is reimagine. Uh, o is all about optimizing, you know, your digital future, reimagine your business model, optimize your digital future, accelerate your growth decisions. And D, what the what Cloud Wars Expo is really about is how do you take on that capability to dazzle your customers in the acceleration economy? That's what ultimately all of this leads to. Now, maybe Wayne, there's some executives out there say, yeah, it does for customers. That's not, you know, we're not interested. Okay, this is probably not the show for you, but for everybody who does want to do that and have those customers give you more revenue because you're dazzling them and delighting them, this is the show. You know, it's interesting. You talk about dazzling a customer. So I've worked in both B2C spaces and B2B spaces. Now, when you work for B2B companies, they make some commodity product and they say, how do I dazzle my customer? I make a widget that other people make and it's all about price. No, it's not. It's about how easy you are to do business with. It's about in today's supply chain mess, being able to say to somebody, your package got stuck in the Suez Canal. So we're gonna ship another one by air because we know where the package is and our competitors don't. You may not dazzle them if you're making, if you're making I don't know, aluminum ore, maybe you're not gonna make better aluminum ore. Anybody make aluminum ore? Come correct me. Maybe there is a better one, but you're going to know the augmented product, the, the experience of buying from you and getting fulfilled and dealing with problems and questions. And so dazzling customers, and I'm going to also say, Bob, dazzling employees. Yes. In today's absolutely. world, it's CX and EX are equally <clears throat> important. And so no matter what business you're in, I'll be honest, if you're not dazzling your customer, somebody else is who is one of your competitors, or worse, somebody that was never a competitor of yours has figured out that there's a dazzle element that allows them to become your competitor. And so the, the blindsiding by somebody you never imagined, again, did the hotel industry ever imagine Airbnb? Did the taxi industry ever imagine Uber and Lyft? No, they came out of left field exploiting a, a piece of friction in their ecosystem. So when you're talking B2B companies, it's probably even more important because consumers can fixate on a brand. I want to wear this logo on my shirt or on my sneakers. But if you're buying industrial, you're the procurement department and somebody lets you down, you'll switch without thinking about it. Yeah. So, oh, you've been a loyal customer for 30 years. Yeah, but they have a better widget. So now we're not a loyal customer anymore. And anyway, we can talk about that and we'll probably talk about that in a future um, uh, discussion because it is a fascinating topic. How do you dazzle a customer in a commodity industry? Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're absolutely right. And by the way, when you make with, with that slogan, Road, I want the t-shirt. I think that would be a great t-shirt. Yeah. 
All right, well, we're, we've got our uh, design team, our couture department working on that, Wayne. Hey, Wayne, I want to just uh, take a minute here to offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. We all know what the A game is, right? Among athletes, it's the highest level of performance, and you can get to that level of in business as well. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. It's when technology and people work in harmony, and that's how business reaches its A game. You can find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So, um, Wayne, that, that uh, you know, what we've discussed so far is fascinating, taking a little bit of a look into the future. And I wondered if, um, you know, in the time we have remaining, you could offer some examples, right? Because, you know, whether it's you, you've got, uh, you know, you talk about the three biggest board risks, you talk about disruption of technology capabilities. And I wanted to just pop one in there. You have talked about consistently, and I would say eloquently and persuasively about technical debt for three years. You're one of the first people that I heard raise this up and say, look, you know, you could have uh, root canal surgery, right? Nobody wants to do it, but it's not going to get better. And if you think it's going to be tough to deal with now, you just wait six months, 12 months, something like that. So the, this notion of technical debt that companies, it's not a pleasant subject, it's not a fun subject, but gosh, is it essential, not only to what companies are trying to be able to build and be capable of, but also that sort of ticking time bomb. You just leave it alone and pretend, you know, it's not your problem. That's going to get worse and worse. So I think that to me is one of the ideal ways that uh, your CXO channel is going to be able to illuminate for business people what they need to know about tech, what they need to think about it. So you have a couple of other great examples here, Wayne, but I, I just wanted to tee that up because I, I had heard of technical debt before I started to speak with you on a regular basis, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And I sure as hell didn't have any understanding of just how dangerous that can be. Well, let's make an analogy. If I say to the board, I want a billion dollars to build a new refinery. Remember, I used to live on the Gulf Coast. Well, I want to build a chemical plant, make fertilizer. And the board says, okay, we've approved your billion dollars in capital. What is it going to cost to maintain that factory? And you say, oh, nothing. I'll cover it with my existing maintenance staff. We'll just work a little harder. The board would laugh you out of the room, if not throw you out the window. But if you walked into the board and said, I'm doing a new ERP system or a new core banking system or a new EHR in my healthcare organization, and it's going to cost a billion dollars or 500 million or whatever, and the board then said, what's it going to cost to maintain this thing? You said, I'll do it with my current staff. Don't worry. They would pat you on the back and buy you lunch because after all, we know IT is magic. Well, it's the same thing. The difference is when your chemical plant blows up, of course, you know, stuff blows up and the explosion is seen for miles. If your ERP system blows up, your company can go away. And that's really the heart of the challenge. If I do nothing to my technology, first of all, my competitors are continuing to invest. The acceleration economy, as we said, is accelerating with or without you. And so if you choose to rest on your laurels and run the system you put in five years, 10 years, I've seen 20-year-old, 30-year-old systems in, in mainframes, they can be running 60-year-old systems, Bob. And if you say that's good enough, well, it's good enough for you, but it's not good enough for the other guy that's dazzling your customers away from you. 
Yeah. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the hackers, the, the uh, bad people that are trying to do you harm, whether they're nation states attacking or what we call script kiddies, people who literally bought your do-it-yourself hacking kit on the internet for 50 bucks, and now they're launching ransomware attacks. And they're looking for the soft target. They're looking for the company that's got the unpatched hole in their SQL server or their email system or their firewall. And they don't have to know who you are or care who you are. You got a hole, they exploit it, they come through and they send you the request for half a million bucks. And that's how people are being taken down today. Uh, it's technical debt is, is the problem when your opponents continue to invest, and they are. And, and the third problem with technical debt is uh, the opportunity side. When your CMO or your product chief comes and says, I want to add this capability to my product or to my supply chain or to my augmented product, the experience of dealing with this, and IT says, that's terrific. We'll put you 37th on the list. We'll get to you in about three years. Um, that takes away what investment bankers call optionality. Your ability to turn on a dime, your ability to pivot from here to there. Um, I've worked for companies with and with companies that want to sell a division. And IT can't figure out, it's not IT, it's the whole company can't figure out how to pull that division apart efficiently, effectively. And so they wind up kind of hacking it off with a big cleaver and stuff doesn't run and the buyer has to fix it. And it, great work for me because I can work on both sides of that equation. But it's a terrible thing when you've got a reputation as being unable to divest and unable to acquire cleanly. Uh, you get marked as not the people others want to do business with. So technical debt will get you many different ways. And clearly, it's, it's an underappreciated board risk. Remember, we're talking about board risks here. People don't come to the board and say, I have a technical debt problem in IT. They just let it bump along, break it, more broken, more broken. Your root canal example is great, until eventually you get an abscess and you wind up getting dental surgery when you could have had it fixed with a filling. And that's the problem. If we don't keep investing, which the start is to keep to start understanding where we are, we're never going to catch up and never going to get ahead of our competition. And in the acceleration economy, that can be fatal. And Wayne, you know, I think is, you know, you, you laid out that great description of the, you know, the, the danger of technical debt. There's no other way to put it. It's not inconvenient. It's not uh, annoying. It, it, it is dangerous. And, uh, you know, the long-term damage, short-term and long-term damage that it can wreak is, uh, is astonishing. But, you know, I think how you've described that, it's one of those situations, right? Because today we talk about the acceleration economy, right? It's a go-go thing. Yeah, let's build this new thing. Let's get this going. Let's get this going. And that's all wonderful. But the companies are not going to be able to do that. I think inherent in what you just described is you can have all the great ideas in the world and you can have the rah-rah teams and and market opportunity and dreams and visions and all that. But if you don't have down underneath that capability to make that stuff happen because of what some people thought of was benign neglect, but over time it becomes, you know, sort of active neglect and it becomes, you know, very ugly. That is going to be one of those things. It's got to be Wayne, right? One of the top three things that is going to separate winners from losers right? You stack up that technical debt with either no awareness of it or no concern about it or figuring somebody else will deal with it. That's going to get you. And I, I, 
you know, that's got to be one of the worst uh, indicators of a company's ability to succeed in this future. Uh, you know, again, for all the strategy, the buzzwords, the cool things, the ideas, the plans, it's just not going to work. It's, it's, it's almost like quicksand, Wayne, but it seems sort of worse than that even. Well, it's quicksand-like in the fact that you don't know it till you step in it. Yeah. And the problem I see is that it's never been talked about at the board level in most companies. You know, go back 25 years, you had Enron who had these off-balance sheet liabilities, right? What sunk Enron is their board said, we had no idea there were all these enormous liabilities that Enron had figured out how to take off the balance sheet. So they don't show up at the financial statements. I'll maintain that technical debt is the largest off-balance sheet liability that companies have today. They don't know they have it until one of three things happens. You get hacked and go, oh, how'd they get in? Oh, that's 15 years old, I see. And that winds up in the Wall Street Journal when they write the postmortem of your company. Or you can't do something that you want to do, right? Because the uh, IT department cannot build what you want on top of what you already have, or it just falls apart. You know, company, you've seen a couple of airlines back when airlines were, were big uh, players, they would say the lightning struck their data center and they've been down for three days as though lightning incinerated the entire infrastructure of a major airline. No, it didn't. It knocked something offline that didn't have a backup and nobody knew how to start the bloody thing up again for three days because it hadn't been down in that long. And there was such a brittle, the, the notion in IT, it's an engineering term, a brittle system, a system that cannot be perturbed, cannot be bumped into without breaking. It works fine unless you mess with it. Well, as soon as you mess with it, the whole thing falls apart. And that's what we're creating in IT. Um, and by the way, this is not excluding the rest of the company. I work with, ER, with ERP system projects and the company processes can be so brittle. It's this spreadsheet feeds that spreadsheet, feeds that access database, feeds that spreadsheet. And when, when Mary, the only one that knows that that spreadsheet is on vacation, it breaks. I've seen that in public companies where the general ledger is fed by a morass of spreadsheets built over 20 years. So there's technical debt as well. It's called a process debt. And oftentimes it's seen as IT because it's a spreadsheet or it's a workflow or it's something. But you got to clean up, this, you got to drain the swamp. And if you don't, then somebody that comes into the market without 20, 30, 40, 60 years worth of baggage will outperform you. Uh, so as I said, with, we did this with database companies, we've done this with other industries. If you've got the trust of a customer over 20, 30, 40, 50 years, like the big ERP companies do, like the big database companies do, you're not going to lose it overnight, but you will lose it by not keeping up. And so even if you're a vendor, your technical debt can hurt you in the competitive marketplace. An upstart comes in with better technology and rolls right over you. So I said this to the database vendors, the incumbents, it's yours to lose. Yeah. Same thing applies to every company. If you're not keeping up with your technology platform long-term, then you're dooming your company to either slow decay or uh, cataclysmic disruption. Yeah. You know, Wayne, um, I was thinking about this as, you know, as uh, listening to you here, uh, there's, the other thing that technical debt leads to, you know, that you talked about here, 
if I could toss in sort of from a layman's perspective, and also just having listened to early on, you know, what was your rationale for doing this new CXO channel? It is that you, you, you know, companies can't exist in that whole idea of the, well, the business over here and IT over here. They've got to be fused here. But the, one of the other things that comes, I think that is, you know, one of the most insidious dangers about technical debt is it starts to limit the vision that people in a company have, right? They start to say, you know, I, there's no use dreaming big dreams. We're not going to be able to do it. We can't do that. You know, why bother? Uh, and all of a sudden, you you sort of self-relegate your organization to mediocrity, to being slow, to being unresponsive. And uh, if the if the goal is to dazzle customers, that's not the uh, the road to dazzle. So I, I think that uh, you know one of the, the 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 terrible outcomes of technical debt, whether again companies realize it or not. You, your world starts to close in, you stop taking risks, you stop thinking about opportunities, you just try to say, well, how can we be a little less crappy uh, every day than we were yesterday? And <clears throat> that, I don't think, is a formula for success in the acceleration economy. Well, yeah, there's a couple of points you made there. One of them is take your IT department. So you're an IT department with a $100 million budget, $500 million budget, whatever. Those are not uncommon these days. And they've been doing something a certain way for 20 years. And the incumbent IT leadership has been there 20 years. That's the way, that's the way we do things around here. And now somebody comes to them and tries to say, maybe a new CMO comes in or a, a private equity investor and says, we got to clean this up and we got to move faster. There's a bunch of people who've made their entire career on knowing how this stuff works. I've seen organizations like that. They're so proud of the 5 million lines of assembler code they run that they're unwilling to consider that maybe a package product changes the economics because that's their, their self-worth is wrapped up. And I did this design when I first joined the company and I was an architect and now I'm the C-suite, blah, blah, blah. And they're unwilling to change. And so they push back against the business. Then we have the business people. The business executives are looking at these changes. And Bob, we talk about this in terms of digital transformation as well. I am paid as a C-suite executive. Comp committee sets my comp based on monotonically increasing earnings. So every quarter, we're going to do better. And now I come with a three-year project to transform the company, which starts with cleaning up the technical debt. And so I tell the board in month 18, I will be able to do nothing that I can't do today, but I'll be doing what I do cleaner and simpler and with less risk. And they say, well, why would we want to spend that money and time? So here I'm an executive and I propose a multi-year, multi-billion dollar project to change the company. Um, we talked about this in terms of meta. Yeah. You know, what is Zuckerberg doing? He said, I'm going to take huge losses and I'm going to transform the company and I'm going to split it rename my employees or look at Ford splitting electric cars from internal combustion. They're taking huge gambles publicly. And so most boards are not seeing this because they don't understand the risk and opportunity of tech. And so the comp committee is a, is a uh, participant in this problem by not compensating the executive for taking risk. Uh, I was at a conference the other day where we had uh, a bunch of board speakers talking about the future of uh, innovation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things these speakers said was comp committees have to be involved in setting comp to reflect a degree of risk and innovation. 
that is within the risk tolerance of the company. It's not okay to say no risk is the only risk we'll take. It's not okay to say the only business we're in is business as usual. Because what happens is you fall off a cliff, a pandemic happens, a conflict happens, a competitor emerges. And again, I go back to optionality. If you're not investing in optionality, the ability to pivot, the acceleration economy, as you say, accelerates without you. And, and so it's important that we educate boards on this topic. Just like when Sarbanes-Oxley was passed, it was to, in part, say boards have an obligation to understand financials. And they, they created the role of the qualified financial expert. The QFE was enshrined in, in regulation. That's somebody that could read the financial statements. Think about that. Public company boards now have to have somebody who can read a financial statement. They didn't have to have one before. Mm -hmm. And you and I can laugh at that and say, well, how can that be? Now let's put, fast forward 20 some odd years. Is it a can we imagine that a board has nobody on it that understands what IT is doing, what the cybersecurity people are talking about, what the opportunities of the metaverse, the opportunities of faster networking, the opportunities of uh, digital twins. If nobody on the board understands that and they don't bring in the right expertise to educate them, they're wrecking the company. They really are not doing a service to the shareholders. And a lot of it stems from allowing the culture that uh, permits technical debt to exist to, to flourish, to not say, we need a CIO or CTO or CDO, call them what you want, that is willing to upset some apple carts because we need to take some risk in order to see the long-term risk reduction and opportunity enhancement. Wayne, uh, that's beautifully said. And, you know, the pulling together that notion of business strategy, digital strategy, technology strategy, and so forth, centered around your customers. And, you know, who do you want to be in a year or two or three years? And what sort of capabilities you want to have, I think is beautiful. And I know you so that Wayne had prepared up for today a number of, you know, slightly more tangible examples. But I think this opportunity to hear you talk about, you know, one of these highest level, most strategic issues, right? It's, it's a mindset. It's, it's a, almost like a belief system on which everything else is built or from which everything else has to follow. I think it's been really valuable. And I think it's a beautiful indicator of what people can come to expect from, from you as you build out this, you know, future uh, CXO, future board set of content here that you'll be doing, uh, you know, as you mentioned with video, with podcasts, articles, and events like Cloud Wars Expo. So, yeah, if this, if this stuff resonates with the audience, come to the Cloud Wars Expo and let's dig deep. Yeah. Uh, it's an opportunity and I'll bet you will get people there who say, I've got this problem and I don't know what it is. I can't put my arms around it. Or if I want to put in cloud, how does that tie into my 40-year-old COBOL system or my AS400s or whatever I'm running? Um, there are just so many examples of places where the front end you want to build doesn't plug into the back end you've been building for 30 years. And we got to be dealing with it. And so maybe we make that a theme in the road to uh, Cloud Wars. We can build uh, more content around this kind, this kind of topic stream. I like that. Yeah. Wayne, a final thought just from me on this. It's, it's, I never liked this phrase, but in the past uh, five years or so, it's really become 
you know, one of my most hated phrases, which if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we, uh, we seem to have a lack of understanding now of what broke means, right? It, it's no longer enough to say, well, it's only broken if it doesn't work. Well, the thing works. Yeah, it works in a way that's going to, uh, you know, put a noose around your neck. So uh, I, I think it's the, that mindset. There's a lot of things that you are so good at raising for people who say, these ideas, these sort of aphorisms, these truisms, like it ain't broke, don't fix it, that helped you build a successful career up until the last few years, they will take you down unless you're willing to look at the world differently, embrace what these new things are, and jump into the opportunities that uh, I think are abundant today. Yeah, I think what people have done is substituted if it ain't broke, don't fix it for if I can't see that it's broke, don't <laughs> fix it. If you got if you see the first termite mound outside of your wood house and you go, well, I don't see any termite damage. So I'm not going to do anything. Just wait five years. Uh-huh. Um, I bought a house once and the ceiling collapsed because somebody had that attitude. Uh-huh. And by the time I saw the termites, they literally came out my living room ceiling and took down the beams. Um, yeah. So. I'm very sensitive to that, to that uh, aphorism. And the key is understanding what's broke and then fixing. We got to start with understanding. And I think that's a key thing for boards and C-suites. Ask the questions of your technical people and don't be afraid to hold them accountable for giving you business answers. Right. And if they don't or are unable to, I'll get you need a new one. Um, if they cannot act like responsible business executives, they should not be on your team. It's the people on the bus. Yes. Again, quote another aphorism. Wayne, uh, I just wanted to ask a, a final follow-up there. The, so you were sharing the house with termites. Did they kick in anything for the rent or the, the mortgage? <laughs> uh, no, they kicked in quite a bit, but it was not for the rent or mortgage. <laughs> um, and, and it's literally, if you've never seen termites swarm inside your house, it's an experience you never want to miss once and never want to see twice. Um, and that, you know, I'm an engineer and I didn't, I didn't know what a termite was. I don't live in the South. I moved to the South and we had termites and it was exciting, but yeah. it was the kind of thing that I'm sure the prior owner had known about for probably 10 years. Uh-huh. But they didn't see it out of sight, out of mind. And so that's the, if you're, again, if you're on the board, look, if you're on a board, out of sight, out of mind is going to be seen as a failure of the duty of care. And that's when you get sued successfully. You've got to be asking the questions. And it's not okay, I think, to say, well, it's IT, I don't know. You got to ask the right questions. What are the risks we're facing? And show your CIO and CTO this video and say, respond to that, Yeah, for example. But uh, again, I think the key is being aware, asking the questions, and then deciding what's a prudent course from that point on. Perfect, perfect. Well, Wayne, thanks so much. It's always a blast talking with you and really excited about, you know, your expanded role here and opportunities to talk about, you know, what uh, the, the types of things CXOs need to be thinking about with regard to applying technology for business success, business innovation, and growth. So many things to talk about. I love it. I love the opportunity. And thank you, Bob, for making it possible. Absolutely, Wayne. My pleasure. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. This was Wayne Saden, who's going to be leading up our new uh, future CXO and board channel, talking about things 
that those executives need to know about technology to make their businesses run better and thrive in the acceleration economy. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to seeing you next time.